anointed was quite enough in the way of ablutions. Warm water did not extend beyond his fingertips if he could avoid it. When the identity of the fisherman became known, however, magic was another word used to describe the incident. A word whispered with extreme caution in the king's presence, conjuring up as it did melancholy visions of his grace's enthusiasm for witch-burnings and for personally attending, and occasionally giving a helping hand in, matters involving the thumbscrew and the iron boot. The solitary fisherman was Tam Ilder, happy to escape the somewhat claustrophobic atmosphere of Her Grace the Queen's household in Falkland Palace, for a pleasant day by the falls, a favourite leaping place for salmon. The fish were known to be plentiful, but it was the joy of isolation, with only muted birdsong, the swirling waters, and an occasional fox barking that accompanied his meditation, the feel of warm July sunshine through the fine linen shirt. King James had also been lured out that morning by the promise of a fine day's hunting, although he had little hope of the sun's rays penetrating the thick padding of his waistcoat and breeches, Worn not as comfort against perfidious weather, but as extra protection against the assassin's steel or bullet. Nor did he share Tam's affinity with nature and the tranquil beauty of his surroundings. Such feelings of peace and meditation were unknown to him. A keen sportsman, he regarded the countryside as his killing arena— his sole purpose to bring down as many creatures, great and small, for the sheer pleasure of their destruction. What became of his trophies did not concern him. He noted only with gleeful satisfaction the growing number of carcasses signalling the day's success. At the king's side, his retinue of fifteen courtiers included Ludovic Stuart, Duke of Lennox. Less striking in appearance and more sober in his apparel than the flamboyant young lords on whom the king bestowed fond glances and caresses, Ludovic owed his present elevation to boon companion, as he was the son of King James's first boyhood love, his French cousin Esme Stuart. The royal party had set out early that morning, their target the deer and wild boar. The huntsmen were not too proud to include any small creatures such as conies and fowls, unfortunate enough to be spotted going about their business in the royal forest. The gentle river to which the runaway horse carried its royal rider was out with his grace's chosen area. The banks of its meandering course, too open for shy animals, were popular at court for rustic picnics and romantic dalliance. The only dangerous spot was a sudden rocky intrusion ten feet high, where the smooth river changed course to become a reckless torrent, a picturesque waterfall popular with fishermen. This was the spot Tam had chosen to set up his rod. Surprise and righteous indignation followed when peaceful birdsong vanished under a loud report which speedily erupted into shouts and the sound of a galloping horse. Suddenly, a magnificent white stallion bolted towards him from the clearing. 
With a yelling figure clinging for dear life to its flowing mane, it was heading straight for the waterfall. Tam leapt into immediate action. Without a thought for his personal safety, he jumped into the path of the wild-eyed, terrified animal and its even more wide-eyed, terrified rider. They had reached the very brink of the falls when Tam hurled himself into the fray and, seizing the reins with almost superhuman effort, dragged the beast to a standstill. As he spoke words of command which the horse seemed to understand, it stood still, sweating and snorting, but respectful of the man who held its head in a firm grip. It pawed the ground as if in apology for its outrageous behaviour. That matter settled. Tam went to the assistance of the rider who had lost reins and stirrups, and whatever nerves he had started out with at the outset of the hunt that morning. Tam had no difficulty in recognising the familiar, brooding, hooded eyes. The long...